0: Hey everyone, welcome to Yogaland's Yoga Teacher Companion. I'm your host, Jason Crandall, and we are going to talk about Chaturanga. In fact, we're going to talk about maximizing safety in Chaturanga. In upcoming episodes, we're also going to discuss how to transition into Chaturanga a little bit more skillfully and effectively. We'll also have an episode where we look at modifications and alternatives. So, what I want to lay out for you right now is an essential concept that underscores maximizing safety in chaturanga. Then I want to look at the techniques of implementing that concept and then actually, what I want to do finally in this conversation is I want to address possible reasonable criticisms of what I am going to present to you because There's going to be a counter-narrative to what I present to you. And I will tell you that that counter-narrative is something that I am sympathetic to and I think is reasonable. Um, And I really valuable discourse and critical thinking skills. So what I want to do is I want to provide you with what I think is really important consequential insight for maximizing safety. And then I want to look at some possible criticisms of what I'll present. But I think what we're going to see is It's all going to come down to the context in which we are practicing and uh, teaching chaturanga that is going to be the deciding factor of whether or not you go with what I'm going to suggest you implement or whether or not you go with uh, some some counter-narratives. So here is the most important takeaway when it comes to safety and chaturanga. The most important takeaway. To maximize safety in Chaturanga you want to maximize stability of the humerus bone on the socket under weight load. Your shoulders are not your hips. Your shoulders have evolved very differently from the hips and there's a lot of crossover when it comes to ball and socket structure but there's a lot of departure. And what I can tell you is that the ball and socket of the shoulder is much less stable and much less reinforced through bony material under load than the hips. So in order to maximize stability, in order to maximize safety, excuse me, of the shoulders in chaturanga, because it is a weight-bearing pose, we need to do the things that provide that ball and socket the greatest amount of stability. And fortunately, there are Two things, simple. And both of these things are pretty simple and only one of them is even partially controversial. And as we go forward, I think I'm gonna be able to split the difference for you uh, in the controversy. So what are the two things in Chaturanga that we wanna encourage our students to do to maximize that stability of the ball and socket? The first thing is to adduct your upper arms. The first thing is to hug the upper arm bones in. It's to squeeze them in. I'll tell you why. And then, not really an exception, but food for thought. When you adduct the arms, when you hug the arms in towards your side ribs, you engage many muscles. But two of the dominant muscles you engage are pec major and lats, and you work with Both of them, you're engaging them, both of them simultaneously, so pecs and lats will be working together in adduction. And when the pecs and lats work together in adduction, they form a sling that helps tether the head of the humerus bone to the scapula. And so when we have this tethering, everyone, the ball is much more stable under load. So engaging the arms in, engages pecs and lats in a way that helps reinforce the stability of the ball and socket under stress. Now, here's food for thought. You wanna squeeze the upper arms in, you want that adduction, but where you actually place the hands and the elbows is pretty subjective. So you're gonna be squeezing in, but that doesn't mean that the elbows need to be against the ribs. They can be, but they don't need to be. It also doesn't mean that your hands have to be exactly shoulder width apart. This is something I would really love for you to experiment with. The idea that the hands always have to be shoulder width and the feet always have to be hip width is not correct. Hands shoulder width and feet hip width are often correct. They work for many people in many postures, but they're not mandates. The arms and hands can be in many different positions. And so for me personally, I actually prefer to have my hands a little bit wider than my shoulders and my elbows a little bit wider than my shoulders as I squeeze in. So number one, you want to squeeze in, but as a sub-factor of that, experiment with different hand and elbow positions. Okay, now, here is the second thing. And this is the thing that, again, it's, it, for me to say it's controversial, it's kind of an overstatement, okay? Okay. Um, But the second thing that we want to do to maximize stability of the ball and socket in chaturanga is we want to not go so close to the floor or go so low that the elbows go behind the body. So stay with me on this, okay? So when you are lowering from plank to chaturanga, When we lower down, we want to avoid the elbows going back. We want to avoid the upper arm bones moving back into extension. And we want to understand, don't just hear that and memorize it. We want to understand the logic. The logic, again, is to maximize safety, we maximize stability. Of what? The head of the humerus bone on the center of the glenoid fossa, the center of the socket structure in which it sits. When the elbows go back behind you, it's, think about the upper arm like a lever or a teeter-totter or a seesaw. When one part of it goes one direction, when one part of it goes one direction, the other part goes the opposite direction. So as the elbows go back behind you, the head of the humerus bone has an increased likelihood of going forward and down. So when the elbow goes back, there's an increased likelihood that the f- top of the shoulder, the head of the humerus bone, can do inferior and anterior glide. It can roll forward and down. And it's not like it's going to come all the way off the socket. We're not talking about a pure dislocation situation. And if we were, that's severe, right? But that's, let's avoid that conversation for now. So it's not that the head of the humerus bone is going to completely sublux except for an extreme situation, right? But it's that the head of the humerus bone in that situation can have a little forward and down slip and start to press against some of the anterior ligaments and some of the anterior tendons of the shoulder and create irritation in there, okay? So we want when we lower a chaturanga to stop when the upper arms are in line with the side ribs and not go lower. So we wanna minimize extension of the shoulder. Now, there is a reasonable criticism of what I am saying, and I'm gonna address that reasonable criticism shortly. But first, let's let's kinda see what this looks like, okay? So for me, I like to set my hands a little bit wider than shoulder width apart in chaturanga, What that does for me and everyone, when you take the hands a little bit wider, is that is going to recruit more pec. So the more narrow the hands are, the more you are going to primarily be recruiting um, triceps. But the more you take the hands a little bit wider for plank and for chaturanga, the more you have more musculature of the upper body supporting the process, which is my preference, though not a mandate. Again, experiment with your width. So I take the hands a little bit wider than shoulder width apart. I'm in plank. And as I come down, again, I'm not gonna address transitions in a chaturanga. We'll do that in another conversation. I come down and I stop about here. So I stop where I can, I know from proprioception, I know that my upper arms are in line with my side ribs. I know that I've not gone into shoulder extension. Okay? So I'm stopping at that point where the upper arm is in line with the side ribs. I'm not going to the point at which the arms are the shoulders have moved into extension. So one more time, right? So as I lower down, I'm hugging the elbows in. I am stopping when the upper arms are in line with the side ribs because I know that those are the two primary ways to maximize stability of the ball and socket. I keep saying the same thing, but we have to get it. I always want you to understand the mechanism of the technique, not memorize the technique. Because when we understand the mechanism of something, then we can start to really understand the rationale for certain technical principles, okay? So now, what is the reasonable, argument against what I just said. And again, I'm saying it is a reasonable argument. This is not unreasonable. The reasonable argument is this. We know that we want strength in each muscle group through the full range of the muscle, including the end ranges of the muscle. We'd ideally a strong muscle is strong, not just in a, on a small fraction of its functional range, but it's strong in the full spectrum of its functional range. Totally logical, right? And we know that when those arms go back and the shoulders move into extension, the anterior shoulder muscles right now, especially pec, is pulled into a lengthened position. So we know that by taking the arms further back, we are lengthening the pecs more, and we might say to ourselves, well, I want the pecs to be strong in that full functional range. And I would say I totally agree with that. However, I understand the role of being a yoga teacher teaching public classes in which there are no prerequisites to coming to my class. I understand what it's like to teach a lot of students in a room and a lot of students online and I know from 25 years of experience and you know from whatever experience you have, whether it's 50 years experience, 10 years experience or one class of experience, I know that you know that different people in that classroom have very different existing skill sets and strength profiles. And I know that if we do vinyasa yoga, we're gonna end up doing a lot of chaturangas. And so, I make in that context, a public class, I make the relatively conservative choice. Because hugging the elbows in and stopping at that zero point is more accessible, and more safe for students, especially students that don't have those pre-existing abilities to control the stability of their glenohumeral joint in full extension. So the choice that I make in a public class and that I would advise you to make in a public class, especially a public class that is open to drop-in students, if you're going to do Chaturanga, stay. I would stay with a conservative choice. But... If you're a strength trainer, if you are working with people and developing their strength and shoulder extension progressively over time, if you're working with a closed, fixed community of students, or if you just happen to know everyone in that room and you know everyone in that room has good strength at their end range, then I think it's fine to go a little bit further down. right? So that situation ends up being, I don't think it's mandatory, but it's, but I, but I think it is, Uh, let me say it like this. Imagine a gymnast. Imagine someone that has a lot of experience in their body and a lot of strength and good tone and stability and technique. Do I think that person can bring their chest lower to the floor or all the way to the floor in Chaturanga and be just as safe? Totally, that just isn't my experience as a public class teacher most of the time. So what we can do if you had requisite strength is you could go a little bit lower. You could go more like a conventional pushup. I'm not on the ground because I find actually going to the ground is not very useful, it's too restful. But look, I'm here and I'm fine because I have the strength profile to allow for that. So bottom line on this, we make slightly different choices based on the context in which we are in, right? I think that's, that's part of being a, like a, a functional person in, uh, in this world. And so in the context of a public drop-in class, especially a mixed-level class in which you don't know all the participants, chaturanga puts a lot of stress on the shoulders and it is really hard to do well. I would advise you to make this more conservative choice because there isn't a downside to it. And then if you personally know that you have that full range strength profile or you are a strength trainer or you are progressively working with individuals to increase that load and stress tolerance in their anterior shoulders over time and you feel like you can take responsibility for people moving a little bit more into that end range safely and skillfully, I think that that would probably be a reasonable choice for you also to make, okay? So stay tuned for the next couple of episodes uh, once they're released, and we'll look at some other aspects of Chaturanga. If you haven't already, everyone, I'd love for you to join my email list um, so we can continue to work together. All right, thanks, everyone.